Matthew Crossing with Jordan, everybody. We're continuing our series here on the Mass. And so the last episode, we talked about the Liturgy of the Word. And uh, and that was the the procession, the, the penitential rite, and then the readings from Scripture, which there's four of them on a Sunday and three of them on the weekdays, which you can't get that much Scripture anywhere. And those are usually like fairly long readings too. And they all uh, tie together, right? Because the Old Testament is uh, is uh, hiding the new, and the new is revealing the Old Testament, right? So they all complement each other. It's called typology, and they usually tie together. So we heard about how God speaks to us through the Old Testament. We sing back to him in a psalm, and then God speaks to us again, in a, typically in a New Testament writing. And then we stand for the Gospels, and then there's a homily, and then there's the Nicene Creed. And then actually, right after that, we do uh, prayers of the faithful. So then we stand and we pray for the entire world, the every the current situations that are going on for the church. And we do this because we wish everybody was at this mass, and we are united across the world uh, um, in this, right? Because we are we are all part- participating in that one eternal sacrifice and that worship of heaven that's happening eternally. We're participating in it. So, but we're praying for the entire world that. that because we wish everybody was there participating in that heavenly worship. And then, so, Liturgy of the Eucharist, here we go. Right after the prayers of the faithful, we sit down, and then there's the procession of the gifts, right? So the gifts are being brought up. So what's really important on Sundays is, like, the priest could go get the gifts of wine and bread and uh, by himself. But what's so beautiful about this is that there's two people— uh, from the congregation, the laity, they bring up the wine and they bring up the bread. And then there's other, all the other, the there's other lady receiving money from, from everybody else. Right. So like the gifts of that. So this is all symbolizing something. This is all symbolizing all of us bringing all of what we have to the altar of God. Right. So we bring our money, we bring all of our intentions, we bring everything. We like everything that the Lord has blessed us with, we're giving it back. And so, like bread and wine, what's so beautiful about that is that it's grain and grapes that made wine. Like all of this had to be created from like we were given by God the grain and grapes, but then human processing brought it to bread and wine. So we offer all of our work back to God. We bring it to the altar. And so what is this doing? We're bringing back, this is a symbol, this is symbolizing that we're giving our sacrifices back to the Father in union with the one sacrifice of Jesus, right? And so like Jesus on uh, Holy Thursday after the Last Supper, he went out to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is like um, symbolic of him being like, he sweat, he had sweated blood, right? And this is like him being pressed, right? So just another symbolism uh, of a symbolic nature of the bread and wine. So this is us giving back to the Father in union with the one sacrifice of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what the people of God was always supposed to do, right? So like all the way back to Abraham, he was given the one son that he wanted from God. And then God asked him to give him back to him, right? So be willing to all of our blessings, all of our hardships, we give everything back to God to make him make it supernatural. So just like the um, Jesus at his first miracle at the wedding of Cana, where his mother interceded for the people, they said they he, she said they need new wine. So what does he ask for? Just give me the water that you have. 
give me the purity water that you have and I'm going to transform it into new wine. And the new wine is symbolic of the Holy Spirit too, right? So Mother Mary, she already had the Holy Spirit. She's like, they need the, they need new wine too, Lord. And so we bring our, our water and Jesus is going, to, is going to transform it into wine, supernatural gifts. So now it's the supernatural transformation because it's giving in union with the Son of God back to the Father. And because we are the church, we are Jesus's body. And so we are offered uh, to, we offer back to the Father in Jesus because we are also lambs, according to Romans 8, 36. We, Jesus is the Lamb of God, but we're supposed to be lambs of God as well. And we offer ourselves in union with him as our bodies are living sacrifices, just like Romans 12, 1 says. And guess what? Jesus He's a living sacrifice, just like in the book of Revelation. He is a sacrifice, but he's also glorified. He is the Lamb of God, the Son of God. He's also the eternal high king, the eternal high priest. So he is uh, this both and he's a living sacrifice. And we offer our bodies back to the Father in union with that one living sacrifice of that one Lamb of God and Jesus. How awesome. And then the the priest will hold up the cut, the uh, the bread with just bread says to the Father, Blessed are you, Lord, God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received this bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, that will become for us the bread of life. And then we all say, Blessed be God forever. I'm sorry, guys. I just realized the first five minutes of this episode I did without my uh, microphone being on. So I'm going to keep it as is, though. So sorry for the first five minutes if it's bad quality. But then the priest will say he'll take the wine and giving it to the Father. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for receive this wine we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It'll become for us our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever, everybody repeats. And that's only if you can hear the priest. But um, this is so beautiful because the Jewish prayer literally used to say, for bread and wine. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the earth. Amen. Then they say for the wine. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. Amen. So it's a lot. This is the Christian version of it, right? And so, and then uh, the priest will take the um, the wine and then he'll mix, uh, he'll pour just a little water in it. And there's Two reasons for that. One, it's because in ancient, uh, the Passover meal and in just ancient uh, Judaism, they would put a little water into wine because the wine would be so strong. So the water would actually like dilute it a little bit for a practical reason. But also it's this really beautiful symbolic uh, part too. The priest, as he's putting the water into the wine, he says, may we come to share in Christ's divinity as he humbled himself to share in our humanity. Praise God. Isn't that so beautiful? And then the priest will say, With humble spirit and contrite heart, may we be accepted by you, O Lord, and may our sacrifice in your sight this day be pleasing to you, Lord God. And then he turns and he says, Wash me, O Lord, from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And, and I believe that's from Psalm 51. And at, as he's saying that, they pour uh, water on his hands. And then he says, and then we all stand and he says, pray brothers and sisters that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the almighty father. And we all say, may the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name for our good and the good of all his holy church. And so why do we say that? Because it's our sacrifices united with Jesus. Um, and this is just uh, after, right? Be, um, 
after that, that we take up the collection, the bread and wine, and we offer ourselves giving everything back to the Father in union with Jesus um, and the power of the Holy Spirit and that eternal sacrifice that Jesus made to redeem, transform our entire lives, right? And then uh, the priest will say a prayer and then he'll say, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. That means always that we're entering into a new part, a new prayer, a deeper part of the mass. Then he says, lift up your hearts. And then we say, we lift them up to the Lord. And what is this meaning? This is because we are supposed to lift our hearts up to God just as John was lifted up in the spirit because guess what? We are participating in the heavenly reality of the heavenly worship. So, um, just in like in Revelation eleven twelve, John's spirit is lifted up on the first day in Revelation. So we lift our hearts up to God, and then he uh, let then the priest says, "Let us give thanks to the Lord our God." And we all say, "It is right and just." And the priest will go into the Eucharistic prayer of, "It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Almighty Father," and and so on. And then right after the, at the end of that prayer, he says, the priest will say something along the lines of. Um, uh, as we acclaim along with the holy angels and saints in heaven. And then we all say, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So that first part, holy, 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 is from Isaiah 6.3 and Revelation 4.4, right? Isaiah 6.3 is that in that vision of heavenly worship, but uh, the people of the old covenant um, imitated that. But in Revelation 4.4, we actually see angels and saints part, uh, worshiping God, worshiping Jesus in heaven, fulfilled in Jesus. And now as Christians, we directly participate in that heavenly worship and mass. Then the Hosanna in the highest is from Mark 11.9 when uh, Jesus is triumphantly coming in to the city of Jerusalem to offer himself. So he came in on that Sunday and then he spent the week in Jerusalem before that Holy Thursday and giving himself on Good Friday and resurrecting on on that uh, that Sunday. And so, and then the right after that, we all kneel and the uh, priest will say one or of four different Eucharistic prayers in which they're all, uh, some of them are really long, the others are uh, fairly uh short, but they all have the same essence and and prayers with them. Um, and then, right, the first thing that happens upon the bread and wine is called the epiclesis, which is the call upon the Holy Spirit to come down and to transform the bread and wine. So, uh, and there's two cool insights to this. One is some uh, the priest in one of the Eucharistic prayers will say, from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. And that is exactly what is prophesied that will happen in the new covenant worship in Malachi 1.11, that there would be this pure sacrifice all around the world, this one sacrifice offered throughout the world to God um, to be offered to his name. And then another part is another part when he's doing the epiclesis of call, when he's asking the Holy Spirit to, to come upon the bread and wine. He says, send your spirit upon them like the dewfall so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that part of send your spirit upon them like the dewfall is a reference to the book of Exodus when uh, God, um, through Moses, uh, he appeared for that when he fed the Israelites that was in the wanderings of the desert after Egypt and going into the promised land, he was feeding them with manna. Well, Moses, uh, so 
God rained down manna from heaven, but when the Israelites woke up, it was like dew on the grass in the morning, right? That's how he uh, gave them manna. And just how beautiful is that? That's just so, I just think that's awesome. And then after that, it's the institution of the Eucharist. It's the words of institution. It's the it's the words that Jesus said at the Last Supper, and where you see um, and you see in the 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 Gospels, and then in, uh, you see Saint Paul referencing again in First Corinthians eleven, um, where this is my body, which is given for you, and this is my blood, the the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which is uh, for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory and memory of me. And so those are the exact times, this is my body, this is my blood, when the, the bread is no longer bread, it's the body of Jesus. The wine is no longer wine, it's the blood of Jesus. No longer, it's the, the glorified body of Jesus and it's the precious blood of Jesus. No longer bread and wine. And then after that, the priest will say the mystery of faith, referencing 1 Timothy 3.9. And then the, the, the lady will say one of three different prayers. The first one comes exactly out of 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, right around the Eucharist, where we say, When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Or we say, We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Or the last the one of the other uh, one of the three um, prayers is that we say Save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. And then the the, uh, the Eucharistic prayer will continue. And then the climax of the Eucharistic prayer is really like when the priest will hold up the body and blood of Jesus into the Father. And he'll say, or oftentimes he'll chant it. Um, but he says, through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. And all the people say or chant, Amen. And that's the great uh, Amen that is referenced in Revelation 19.4 and Revelation 22.21. So this is uh, literally us participating in the offering that Jesus made to the Father. So this is our offering in union with Jesus um, back to the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is remembering Jesus. He is the, like we heard in when we were talking about the Eucharist, he is the universal recipient, right? So remember his his blood type and all the Eucharistic miracles was AB positive, the universal recipient. So he absorbs all of us. He absorbs our sin. He absorbs everything. And he offers that to the Father in union with his precious blood. And so and this is the moment that we give ourselves to him, to the Father. And then after that, um, the priest will say, um, at the Savior's com- command and informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, and then we all say the Our Father. And why we say we dare to say, and this is another podcast episode, I'm sure, but is that particularly in the part where we say, um, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We're asking the Father is to match his forgiveness with how we forgive other people. So we really want to start forgiving people, as, and that's only by God's grace. That is not a natural thing to do. We, we can only do that with Jesus. And 
Um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. So actually, that sounds pretty redundant, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Actually, that word for daily bread is the first time that we see it um, used in the in that Koine Greek in the New Testament. And a lot of people, uh, it's I forget the word of it. I think it's like eposeus or something like that and actually like when you literally break it down it literally means super substantial super substantial bread so this is not just normal bread this is super substantial and this is a eucharistic um prayer right uh so we say they are father and then uh, the priest will say, uh, at the end, deliver us, O Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy, we may always be free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And then we all say, for the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever, which is always interesting because that's tradition and not in scripture, but everybody says that part, um, Catholics, Protestants, whatever. And so, and then the the priest will will say lord jesus christ who said to your apostles peace i leave with you my peace i give to you look not on our sins but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will who live and reign forever and ever and we all say amen then he says the peace of the lord be with you always and we say and with your spirit and what's so beautiful about this part is that the the peace of the lord be with you always is because Jesus is the king of peace. He is the king of Salem. He, like Melchizedek, he is the king of Salem, the king of peace. Jesus is the high priest. He is peace itself. And so the peace that Jesus give, gives is not what the world's peace is. The world's peace is avoiding things. Jesus's peace is actually entering into because his presence, his peace is actually substantial. That breaks open bad situations. That breaks open our sins. That breaks open our fears. His peace is not of this world. And we receive that at that time. So beautiful. And then uh, the priest will say, let us offer each other the sign of peace. And we all uh, around us give peace to one another. The peace of Christ be with you. And this is kind of like the holy kiss that's mentioned by St. Paul in his writing to the churches. Greet each other with a holy kiss. And this is the sign of peace. And then right after that, we all say, which is, uh, and you see specifically in the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation, because they both had the same author, but you get this emphasis of Jesus as the Lamb of God. In Revelation, it's multiple times, the Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb. In uh, the Gospel of John, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, according to John the Baptist, right? So um, we say, Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, grant us peace. And so every single time you see things done in three times, it's because it's like completely separated from like what we know. Like God is holy, 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 like something that we can never, ever, ever do, like ever, ever, ever be. Like God is that and God wants us to be that and we therefore we need God to do it. That's why he sent us the Holy Spirit. And it's the same thing with the Lamb of God, Lamb of God, Lamb of God is because it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He is the the sacrifice, the one that is makes perfect um, uh, this offering back to the Father that can only satisfy uh, be satisfactory to the Father for what um, for what sin has caused for us, right? He is the eternal remedy. 
So right after that Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Then we get on our knees and Jesus is held up. The, the, his body and blood are held up. And the priest will say, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who, who are called to the supper of the Lamb. And so both of those, uh, like behold the Lamb of God, that's from John one twenty nine, And then blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb is in Revelation chapter 19, uh, verse 9 and verse 17. And why is that? Because Revelation is centered, the whole worship is centered on the Lamb of God. And what is the Mass happening? It is a sacrifice, it's communion, and it's a, it's a sacrifice, communion, and a communion meal, right? So the Supper of the Lamb, we get to feast on the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And then right after that, um, the, right after that, part where the priest says that we say lord i am not worthy that you should enter under my roof but only say the word and my soul shall be healed and this is echoing the centurion's uh uh um, saying back to jesus who when the centurion wants him to come and heal his servant and this is found in matthew 8 8 and luke 7 uh verse 6 and so now we get to come forward and receive our Lord and Savior the most complete and substantial way here on earth. We actually get to have participate in that marriage supper, that supper of the Lamb. We get to receive Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. It's just awesome. And then after that, it's it's a Thanksgiving meal, right? So like right after that, a lot of people will leave after Mass sometimes. This would be like, going literally to a Thanksgiving meal, having the best Thanksgiving meal ever, and then eating and without saying thanks, just leave. But the meal's not over yet. This is a communion meal. We go back and then Thanksgiving, right? The Eucharist is Thanksgiving, Eucharistia, Thanksgiving. We just received Jesus himself, the Eucharist. And so, and the priest is still in persona Christi. The mass is not ended. And then, so we thank him. We just received the bread of life itself. And then after that, we stand and we pray together. And then it's the end of mass and the procession. So the Lord be with you and with your spirit. May almighty God have uh, bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we mark ourselves with the sign of the cross and then um, go forth. The mass is ended or go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life or something along those lines. That's the end of mass. And then the procession happens and the priest walks out and then all the faithful walk out behind him. And guess what? This is supposed to be an empowering part. This is not for us to just stay, to stay there in that uh, worship because God has placed us here on earth in order to bring heaven here on earth, right? Just like we said in the Our Father. Well, we just participated in the heavenly worship, so then we have heavenly graces moving out from the sacrament of the Eucharist and, and the Mass that we just had and going out bringing heaven to earth and our reality around us, bring our, our homes, our families, our friends, our strangers, wherever we go, our coworkers, everywhere we go, bringing uh, heaven to earth. And we just got swept up into heaven and Mass. This is not... Uh, human beings doing. This is God's doing. He came down to us and he swept us up into heaven every single time we go to mass. And so, um, yeah, like, ah, we're just so spoiled as Catholics. Like, how awesome. 
um, praise you, Jesus, for giving us this beautiful sacrament of yourself in the Eucharist and giving us the mass for uh, just sweeping, sweeping us up into heaven so that we can participate in that heavenly worship of you, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And thank you, God, for giving us the mass. You're so beautiful, Jesus. And so that ends our uh, detailed conversation and walk through the Mass. And so don't let anybody ever say, where is the Mass in the Bible? Because guess what? The Mass is saturated in the Bible and the Mass is saturated with the Bible. You won't hear the Word of God more than anywhere else other than the Mass for a full hour. And it's literally us walking through salvation history, being be, being a part of it, the word proclaimed, God speaking directly to us, this Trinitarian movement that we get to participate in, the heavenly worship that we participate in, and then receiving the Lamb of God, the bread of life, and Jesus Christ who gives himself uh, every single day for us in Mass. So, Oh, praise God. I just absolutely love the, love the Mass, and it's just so beautiful. I really want to go to more uh, different um, of those, a little bit different rites, because I've heard the Byzantine is beautiful. My fiance is Chaldean. That liturgy is beautiful. Go to the Latin rite. That's beautiful. Um, go to a Latin original, like, a, not original, but uh, the Latin High Mass, the pre-Vatican II, and that's absolutely beautiful. And uh, yeah, we get to participate in heaven every single time we go to Mass. Uh, if only we knew. So uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this. And actually, we're going to have a few more episodes. We're going to talk about the Passover meal. We're going to talk about um, uh, some stickier topics too, I guess, like why Catholics can only receive communion um, at a Catholic Mass. Um, and then we're also going to talk about the bread of the presence and just a few other things about mass before we dive into the other sacrament of, of baptism and confirmation and, and confession and, and the like. So I hope you enjoyed this. Please share. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you have questions. I know this is a lot all at once, but it's just so awesome. And we could probably, and we definitely could talk more and more about the little tiny details in mass that I just kind of brushed right over. But I hope you enjoyed. God bless you.